the book of Galatians, chapter number 5. I want to read some verses here. And I think, sitting there during the Sunday school hour pondering while the brother was teaching, reading through the scripture, I think this will just kind of link hand in hand with about everything that was said this morning in the Sunday school hour. And I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want you to pray for me that the Lord will help me this morning. Galatians chapter 5, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I want to begin reading in verse number 1 of Galatians chapter 5, read down through about verse number 7. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not Obey the truth. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach this morning, if God help me, for just a few minutes from verse number 7 on what's hindering you. Paul here's writing the church at Galatia. He's writing to save folk. He's not writing to sinners. He's writing to those who are born again. They have had a correct start. They have been saved. They've had the gospel preached to them. Paul has, according to chapter number one, he's already preached to them and he's departed and now somebody else has come in, another group, another individual, and they are preaching another gospel, which Paul clarifies very quickly in chapter number one. He said, I marvel in verse number six, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. He very quickly clarifies that this gospel that has been preached is not another gospel. There is no other gospel. But there have come some in that have met, he said in verse number seven, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Uh, There were those who had come in the church at Galatia and they had preached a mixture of grace and works. Uh, There were those who we now in our day call Judaizers and that's what they were called in this day as well. We understand them by that who preached a keeping of the law in order to be justified. And Paul here in chapter number 5 writes to them and he says, If you're justified by the law, then Christ has become of no effect unto you. Ye are fallen from grace. Now we've heard that statement. I'm just going to take my time and try to get where I need to be this morning. But we have heard that statement so many times. I've heard it all my life growing up by certain beliefs and certain groups of people talking about falling from grace and it's always applied to salvation. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is saying that to fall from grace is to take grace out of the picture and to bring in a keeping of the law in order to be justified in the eyes of God. There was a group in Paul's day in the church at Galatians 
Jesus. Uh, the main thing they were teaching and preaching was circumcision. Uh, you have to understand that the Galatians were not Jews. They were Gentiles. Uh, but there were those who had come into the Jewish faith and the Jewish order uh, that were criticizing them and telling them uh, that in order to be saved, they must keep the law of circumcision in order to be justified in the eyes of God. Uh, well, Paul said if you have to be circumcised, if you're going to keep that ordinance of the law, uh, then you must make yourself a debtor to keep the whole law. Uh, what Paul is saying is it is an impossibility uh, for you to justify yourself in the eyes of God, uh, and if you choose to do so, you are falling from grace. Uh, you have made Christ of none effect. Uh, Paul was preaching to them very simple and bluntly and to the point. He said if you're going to justify yourself by the works of the law, uh, then you have taken Christ out of the equation or you have put him in the closet somewhere and now it all falls upon you or that you cannot just keep the doctrine or the, the, the law the commandment of circumcision or you cannot pick and choose what you keep of the law you're going to be justified by the law or you must keep the entire law Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul was a Hebrew. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised the eighth day. If we look in the word of God and hear all of Paul's accolades, which we understand that he gloried as a fool, there were those that had gloried about what they had done. Paul said, if any man can glory, he said, I can glory more than they can. He said, concerning the law, I was a Pharisee and I was blameless. Paul said, I kept the law, but keeping the law was not good enough or to justify me in the eyes of God a man cannot be justified by himself we're justified we're saved by grace Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus through faith and that not of ourselves it is a gift of God not of works as any man should boast and so Paul wrote to this church he had been with this church he had preached to this church they had begun they had become born again they had been put in the right way they had started right but now Paul is getting word that they have been hindered on their journey and Paul writes to them and he said you did run well there was a time uh, that everything was going right. You were striving right. He didn't mean that they were perfect or that they didn't have any problems or they didn't have any issues. Uh, but he said there was a time uh, that you served God the right way uh, and you strove after him the right way uh, and you followed him in the right way. Uh, but then he asked the question, who did hinder you? And he said they have hindered you that you should not obey the truth. In other words, Paul said they have pulled you away from the truth that was preached unto you and preached a doctrine of deception and have pulled you away from the truth. Who did hinder you? Now the reality about this word hinder, the word hinder means to put an obstruction in our way. Or to put a stumbling block is the Bible word to put a hindrance or to put an obstacle and it brings to light the reality that in the word of God our Christian life many times especially in the writings of Paul are always identified or typified or illustrated by a race that we're in. And that's what Paul's preached in the church of Galatia. He said you did run well. There was a time you were making progress on your race, in your journey. But he said now you've been hindered. Somebody, something has come in your way, has become an obstacle to you, a hindrance, a stumbling block. And he said it has ceased you, it has stopped you in your journey, it has halted you in the race, and it must be See, here's the reality. I began, and I know this is pretty simple and elementary doctrinal preaching, but it's on my heart this morning. I didn't have any plans to say all this, but the longer I sat on the pew this morning, the more that God began to deal with my heart. And we'll lay this foundation, Lord, and then we'll go on and look at some things that may hinder us in our journey. This race we're running. Paul said we're to run like we're running for a prize. There is a prize. And he said, Lord, that you may obtain 
thing, but here's the reality. We preach and teach and sometimes sing like we're running and the finish line for our race is heaven. That's not it. We're not running to get to heaven. We were saved to get to heaven. We're already as good as there. But Paul said there's a crown. There, there are many. He said in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said they run to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible one. That's what Paul said at the end of his life, was it not? He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. That's the race. And I've kept the faith henceforth. There's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, which the Lord, the faithful judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but also every one of them that love his appearing. He said, I, he wrote to the church at Colossae. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended. That is, I count not myself to have attained or to have arrived or to be perfect. But he said this, one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forth to those things that are before. He said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, he said, there's a finish line out there and I got my eyes set on it. He told the church at Corinth, he told the Hebrew believers let's go on to perfection that's the finish line it was taught this morning the Sunday school hour completion perfectness that does not mean sinless perfection but it means a maturity Paul dealt with the church at Corinth time and time again about being babes in Christ he said when I was a child I spoke childish things I did things as a child he said but when I became a man he said I put away childish things and he said it's the same in the spiritual race we must run that we might go on unto perfection or spiritual maturity and be pleased in the eyes of God. That's what James wrote to those believers in the book of James about. Is that we're running, we're striving to obtain a nearness, a closeness, an intimacy with God. We're not striving for heaven. If we were, that'd be a words. But Paul said right here, we're not justified by words, but by grace and faith. And so we're running this morning, we're in this race, we're on this lap of the journey, that we might get closer and closer to the likeness of the Son of God. That's what the Bible said. It said, he, those he did foreknow, those he also did predestinate. You say, preacher, I don't like that word. Well, it's in the Bible. A predestination does not deal with sinners. It deals with the saved. A predestination, I guess evangelist Billy Mitchell probably preached it better than any man I've ever heard in my life about predestination. People are afraid to deal with that word because many groups have taken it and run way out and left field with it. But he said predestination. It's when I go fishing and I cast my hook out yonder and the fish takes the bait. He said when the fish is on the hook and I get him in the he is predestined to be dinner. He said that's what it is. When the fish is cold, then his destiny is sealed. That's what it is for the children of God. When we get born again, our destiny is sealed. We are predestined. The Bible said we're predestinated to be conformed to the image of his dear son. That's the work God began in us. Salvation is a beginning. Salvation is not the ending. We're living in a day where many preachers, and I'm not judging them, I'm just preaching to you what's on my heart this morning. But we're living in a day where many preachers preach salvation as the end result. Like it's the last thing that happens and we just bide our time and wait on the Lord to call us home. If that was so, then he'd take us out of here after we're saved. But the reality is salvation's on the beginning. Jesus likened it to a new birth. A birth is a new beginning. He said, Paul said, if any man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away and behold all things are become new it is a new beginning 
If we want to take Old Testament typology, then we could go to the land of Egypt in the last plague when the Lord said the death angels coming through at midnight. He said to take a lamb, shed its blood in the tabernacle of the congregation, catch its blood in the basin, put it on the lid on the doorpost of the door. He said when the death angel passed through, if I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's a type of salvation. But the Lord said unto Moses this day, this night shall be to you the beginning of months. In other words, the Lord said this night, what happens on this night marks a new beginning in the life of the people of God. And that's what salvation does for us. Our old is wiped away. The former things are passed away. All things have become new. Salvation is a new beginning for the child of God. When we're saved, we're taken off. Jesus said there's two ways. There's a broad way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in there. And then there's a narrow way that leadeth to life and few there be that find it. And so when we're born again, God takes us out off of the broad way and puts us on the narrow way. And we're on this way. We're in this race. We've been given our course in this path. We're not the first ones to run. Many have outstripped us and run on before us. Many have completed their race, finished their work. They've been called home and you and I are still here and there's still a race to run to be well pleasing in the eyes of God. But the reality in this race, according to the Apostle Paul, as he preached to the Galatians, is there are hindrances along the journey. And they must be dealt with. If it is to be preached correctly, if it's to be preached in its literal interpretation of the word is roadblock, it means to hit a wall. Have you ever felt like in your Christian life you hit a wall? I thought about, and I'm not trying to be carnal, I don't watch it, I used to, but I thought about racing, you know, car racing, they always made a big deal when folks hit the wall. And I'm telling you, in this day, there are Christians, people of God, church members, deacons, Sunday school teachers, preachers, pastors, evangelists, missionaries that are hitting the wall. And it must be dealt with. It is not as it's portrayed in racing that we hit the wall, bounce off and keep on going. But we hit the wall. And until we deal with the wall, until the wall is moved out of the way, we cannot make any more forward progress. And so Paul here is preaching of this church of Galatia. He said, you all are doing good. You were coming right along. But he said, you've hit a wall. And he said, now that wall is going to have to be dealt with if you're going to go on for the glory of God. Who did hinder you? What is it that hindered you? And so I began to think, and the Lord began to deal with my heart. I'm just going to be very transparent and open this morning and preach to you because that's what's on my heart to do. I thought, you know, and we're all fresh. I'm fresh just like you are. And sometimes confession's good for the soul. I got to thinking in my mind, I don't know how you do it, but every now and again I think, Lord, let me tell you how to do it. Has anybody ever thought that way? I thought, Lord, it'd be good if you just let me preach the sinners first and let me ask them what's hindering them from being saved. And I began to say it and things started coming to my mind and I had a whole list of things. I thought about Agrippa and you know how he said almost that persuaded me. I thought about those that reasoned with Paul up there and he said call for me in a more conveniencies and all them things. But the more I thought about it the weaker it got and I couldn't get nowhere just what there. And the Lord said son preach it in its context. He's not writing the sinners he's writing the child of God. I'm not going to fall out with any preacher that preaches to sinners about what's hindering them. I do believe in the book of in the book of Acts we read about Philip being called down there the Ethiopian eunuch and he reasoned with him out of Isaiah 53 he preached to him Jesus the eunuch said what hinders me to be baptized. Baptism was not salvation and while I'm there let me run this rabbit. Baptism won't save you but it is a command of the Lord Jesus that we follow him in believers baptism. The 
have to wear shade. I believe if you're born again and then been baptized, or maybe have been baptized on a false profession, I believe there'll be a desire in you to be baptized again because it is an identification. That's what baptism is. It's not salvation, but it's an identification with Christ that we have died out to the old man and that we've been raised in the newness of life to run our course that God has put us on. And so the Ethiopian unit wasn't saying what hinders me to be baptized so that I can be saved. But there were some hindrances there. And Philip said, nothing, nothing if you believe. And if you're saved, you can't be baptized. And so I thought maybe I'd preach. You know, I kind of thought myself, told the Lord, it'd be good, but the Lord won't let me this morning. So I'm going to preach what God's put on my heart. I'm going to preach to the church. I'm going to preach to myself and everybody else here. But this morning, God will help me. That there are some things that are hindering us from running our race. Yes, sir, the first thing that God brought to my heart was pressure. There's pressure. And it's a hindering, folks. I believe that that according to the scriptures here if I read my Bible correctly I believe that that's what was hindering the Galatian church was pressure put on them by an outside person or a group of persons to do things that they were unsure of or to try to meet their standards be like they are do what they do and this pressure on the Galatian church became a hindrance and a roadblock to their race and their cause that God had put them in. Now if I read my Bible right, and I don't want to quote any verse out of its context or quote any verse wrong, but if I quote, if I read my Bible right and understand it right, the Word of God said that we're to finish our course with joy and not with grief. And if you're here this morning and you're saved by the grace of God and this race is grievous unto you, I believe the reason it's so is probably because there's some pressures that have been put on you by somebody else and it's become a hindrance. It was becoming grievous to the Galatian church and to live right and do right because there were so many do's and don'ts placed on them by outside sources that God was never in. Now I'm going to stand up here this morning and say I believe in right living. I'm not condoning sinful living. I'm not condoning do what you want to do. That's nowhere in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you, you better beware. I don't want to repeat what other preachers have said, but I thought and dwelled on some of the things Brother Terry Pace said when he was with us the other night. You better beware of putting standards and stipulations on your family just because somebody else does it. I have what I feel in my heart is what God has led me in for truth and right for my family. But I am never, if God will be my helper, I covenant with Him that I'd never be a preacher that would stand and try to put my convictions on you because it won't do you any good. If the only reason you're doing what you're doing is to make me happy, it's going to be grievous unto you. And it's going to become a stumbling block and a roadblock in your cause. But if you do what you do because you know it's right in the sight of God and you're pleased with making him pleased and you have his approval on your life that is the race we run with joy and so I feel like in these days there are pressures that are being put on folks can I go one step further and say I believe there are unrealistic pressures that are being put on folk now I'm with the other preachers that say you might preach it straighter than I can live it, but you'll never preach it straighter than I like it as long as it's preached in the right spirit. But you see, in this day, we got a lot of preachers. And I'm so guarded. I'm not boasting in myself. I'm just bragging on the mercy of God. I've said under preaching that was not in the right spirit. I'm going to tell you what it does. It, down, it downgrades the people of God. It browbeats the people of God. It pulls apart the spirits of the people of God. And I ask God to help me to be aware of the way I stand, to be aware of the way I carry myself. I'm 
understand there are hard things to be preached. There are things and things in the Bible that need to be dealt with that are not popular. And sometimes it steps on our toes. I'm not necessarily talking about that. But I'm talking about the spirit by which it's dealt with. There ought not to be no strut or arrogance about the man of God behind the pulpit. God never has used a strutter and he never will. But the book of James as was read this morning said we're to humble ourselves in the sight of God. He'll resist the proud but give grace to the humble. I'm afraid that many in our day have come across with a negative spirit. And I'm going to tell you, oh Lord, help me this morning. I didn't intend to say all this, but it's a coming. And so I got no choice but to say it. I feel like the reason so many people are putting such pressure on their congregations and on their families and on the people of the church is because that they come across with such a negative spirit that they're imposing their own wants and their own wishes. On the I understand about personal convictions, however one that God tells you to have. But I'm going to tell you when it comes time to preach. Oh, we better preach the word of God. And these pressures in our day are causing such trouble. They're causing roadblocks and hindrances to the people of God. They're causing walls to be obstructing our path. And it's stopping people in their progress, in their journey to be pleased in the sight of God. These pressures. Oh, there are pressures. Then the Lord said there are problems that are becoming hindrances. Now we can talk about problems and I, if the Lord wants me to, as we go a little further, we might get on some of the problems that was dealt with in Sunday school this morning about the problems with ourselves. But I'm going to talk about problems that we encounter as a part of running this race. And I don't want to re-preach what Brother Terry said, but I believe in the context of the Scripture that the Hebrew believers were facing problems that was causing them to be hindered in running their race. They encountered discouragement. I'm going to tell you in 2022 in our church world today, one of the greatest problems is becoming a hindrance and a wall and a stumbling block. The people of God running their race is discouragement. It has got people sit down and out. They can't pick their head up. They can't put one foot in front of the other. They're in despair. They've lost sense of hope. For whatever reason it may be, I understand we're living in unprecedented times. I understand we're seeing things the church has never seen before. And it's manifesting a spirit of doubt in the hearts of the believers. And it's a doubt for God and a doubt of the power of God and the ability of God. And it's a problem in our day and it must be dealt with in order to run our race. That's why the Apostle Paul, whoever you believe was the writer of Hebrews, he told that Hebrew, those Hebrew believers to see that cloud of witnesses that had run their race and finished not by works of the law but by faith. And then Brother Terry said it so well. He said if you can't get encouragement, if you can't be lifted up by that cloud of witnesses, and then he said Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, he said look unto Jesus the author and the finisher. He's where it started he's where it ends of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of God and so there are problems this despair this discouragement this doubt that's in the lives of the people of God it's a problem and it's going to have to be dealt with According to Hebrews chapter 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. And according to Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Faith and doubt cannot coexist in the heart of the believer. You either doubt in God or believe in God. I understand sometimes it's easy for those who are on the outside looking in to tell folks just to believe God. But I'm going to tell you, you'll find it true. Even 
when you're in the storm like the apostle Paul did in Acts 27 there's grace and mercy given unto the people of God or to rise above the doubt rise above the gloom and gloom or the discouragement and the despair and that we can believe God I think in this day, and I'm going to preach to preachers, I'm the only one in here, so I'm going to preach to myself just a minute, because it's on my heart. I think in these last days, people have left the church, and preachers have got so caught up, and people leaving, it's discouraged them, it's wounded them. I'm telling you, we're living in a day of wounded preachers like I've never seen in all my life. They're so discouraged, they're so down and out, and they get angry because they live in the flesh, and they focus all their attention on those who have left and so they beat the ones that are there because of those that have left and we have forsaken the command and we're to exhort one another and so much the more as we see this day coming to us I think that I understand there needs to be preaching against sin. I understand that this morning that we did not get in the shape we're in in our nation and in the shape we're in in our churches because of the abundance of preaching on sin. But very much the opposite is because of the lack of it. But I'm also going to tell you there is a great place in these last days for preaching that will encourage. And it don't mean you have to pat them on the back or preach positive fluffy clouds. But what I'm preaching this morning is exhortation and encourage the people of God how to deal with the things that stand in the way how to be truthful and honest with themselves and truthful and honest with God and get the roadblocks removed so we can run on the races before us so there are problems but then I want to say and I'm going to be honest with you this one come probably more real to my heart while I tried to prepare her to preach this morning, the Lord dealt with my heart more about this one than any of the others. I want to say this morning that there are pressures that are being roadblocks. There are problems. Now I'm going to tell you one of the great roadblocks of our day of the people of God is pretending. Pretending. Now I'm going to preach this two ways. I think that many people have pretended and they have caused a stumbling block to fall in other people's way. That folks have seen others and how they pretended and how they acted one way at the house of God and then acted another way at home or out in the world and it has become a stumbling block and a hindrance in the people of God's journey. Yes, sir, people of God sit around and Wonder why or how these people can shout and cry and wave their hands at the church and then how they can live and act like they do on Monday outside the church. (coughs) And it was exactly this morning as is read from the book of James that no fountain can put out salt water and good water at the same time it don't work he said these things ought not to be you say what is it preacher it's nothing more than hypocrisy and pretending and it's become a roadblock of the people of God and I feel real strong in my spirit this morning to say that you, there's somebody here this morning. I believe with everything that's in me, God has showed me. I have no doubt about it. There's somebody here this morning and there's been somebody in your life that has claimed to be sold out to God, that has claimed to be faithful, that has claimed to be a Christian, that has lived one way in the church and then lived another way outside. And it's become a hindrance to you. Maybe you're here this morning, you've not been saved very long. I know why I'm saved this on my heart to say that they've been some folks that have pretended in your life and God's want me to tell you this morning that serving God's not a pretend thing. It's not a three week, three days a week kind of thing. It's not a Sunday morning kind of thing. It's an everyday kind of thing. And God help us who are saved by the grace of God not to be a bunch of pretenders and become a stumbling block out of those coming after us. God help us as parents not to be a stumbling block to our children. I'm going to tell you, children, I'll see through it faster. You hear me well this morning. 
Your children will see through your pretending faster than anybody else. And if we pretend we're not harming just ourselves, but we're putting a roadblock and a stumbling block in front of our children in their path to truth and right. And so you may be here this morning, you may have been hindered by somebody else's pretending. But then you may be here this morning and the Lord's want me to tell you you're being hindered by your own pretending. You know what the Lord has worked in me since Wednesday night to now? Every time I've prayed. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or boost myself in front of you. But oh... Every time I bowed to pray, and even in times I don't, we get so caught up in formalism, but every time I go to pray, two words have come out of my mouth. I've said, Lord, let me be real. Lord, I want to be real. That's all that's been in my heart this week. I, I want to be real. I don't want to be a fake. I don't want to be a pretender. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to have, I want to have unfeigned love for the brethren. I want to have love out of sincerity. I want to serve God because I love Him. And it's real in my heart. I don't want to be a pretender. I don't want to stand in my own way. And I certainly don't want to stand in anybody else's way. It's a reality of our day that folks are pretending and they're claiming they have deceived themselves. That is the greatest form of deception. It's self-deception. And Paul's going to go on in the next chapter to deal with it. He said, if a man thinketh himself how to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. We're living in the greatest day of self-deception I've ever seen. The people of God, and I'm not preaching mean this morning, I'm preaching to help you because it's from my heart this morning. But the people of God in our day have become the best at rationalizing what they're doing when they know that it's not right. And the brother said it this morning. And I'll just go on and, and deal with it. The next one the Lord put on my heart and I may come back to pretending. I'm just going to try to preach as it comes to me this morning. But there are things we're preoccupied with. There are distractions. We might as well go ahead and admit it. But I'm going to tell you something about these distractions. The ones that come up the quickest are the ones that are easiest to deal with. You hear me well? There's a reason why Facebook and the TV, and all these other things come up so quick in conversation about distractions. Yeah. It's because it's pretty easy. Now I understand. And the Lord put it on my heart to preach on distractions and addictions. And I'm going to tell you that, and I'm not talking about drugs out yonder that you buy on the street, but I'm going to tell you our church age has a serious problem of being addicted to their self. I'm going to tell you how addictive cell phones are. You, you can't get up in the morning, lay down in the bed. It was, mine was going off this morning. And it took everything. I'm just being honest. It's because of our nature. It took everything in me not to pick it up and look who was texting. I wanted my mind to be on God and what God was saying. And you let yours go off and see how much of a fight it's in you not to look and see what's going on. Yes, sir. We live in a day of Facebook, and that's a, that is a, and you just take it however you want to this morning. I'm not preaching mean. And I'm not going to stand up here self-righteously and say, y'all delete them. I've got one. Sometimes I wish I didn't have one. And if I really wish that, I'd get rid of it anyway. I understand there's some good things that have come out of it. I understand the church has been able to broadcast. I understand businesses are using it. And it's a blessing for things like that. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to see a reality of self-deception, look on Facebook. It's self-deception everywhere. That's right. People claiming to be something they're not. Showing to be something that they're not. They want, and I'm not judging anybody. That God's a judge. The brother read it this morning. He's the lawgiver. I'm not interpreting the law for God. He don't need my help. But I'm going to preach it as I see it this morning. By the help of the Holy Ghost. There are people that take offense for things. And people talk. And you ought not talk about the church. But there are people get on there and talk about how they love God. And they love Jesus. And they love the church. And they ain't been in six months. That's right. 
And I understand there are people out there that can't go. I understand there are legitimate reasons. I understand all that. But that's not what I'm preaching about this morning. I'm preaching about self-deception. And I'm preaching about things that we're preoccupied with. And there are distractions. And I will be the first to admit, cell phones are a distraction. We talked about it standing around after church here tonight when the Lord was dealing with sinners. Used to be sinners would go home and go, I understand God's big as He is. He can override the cell phones. He can override the distractions. But you understand what I'm saying? There used to be no distractions and to pull our attention away from what God had just done in the church. I'm 32 years old. If I live till September, I'll be 33. And I know I'm young. But I still remember a time when there wasn't no cell phones. I remember a time when I was under conviction. And when I went home, the TV was there. I understand those distractions. But there was such an overwhelming power on me. And I thank God for when I was born. I thank God for conviction. There wasn't nothing I could do to get away from it. And we're missing that because we're so preoccupied. In this day. And there are distractions. And there are addictions. I believe cell phone is an addiction. I really believe it is. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's a disease. That's what we've done in our day. That's become the rationale. We've changed being a drunk into being an alcoholic. We say it's a disease. We have changed uh, being a drug user and a drug addict into some disease. And we judge that's because when we call something a disease, that means there's nothing we can do about it and it justifies it. It justifies it. There's no justification for sin. Being a drunk is a sin. That's right. But just as much as it is when we live in this day and we claim, well, you know, we just can't do anything. I'm going to tell you, being preoccupied with this world and getting our mind off of God and dwelling all our free time on the things of the flesh, it's a sin. That's right. The Bible said make no provision for the flesh. It'll make plenty for itself. Yes. We ought not to give the flesh any room. Amen, and the reality is, if we want to boil down to it, we don't even have to spell everything out. And we could this morning. There's nothing wrong with it. But the reality is that we're preoccupied on ourselves, And that just covers it all. We're preoccupied on our wants. We're preoccupied on our wishes. And that's exactly what was going on among the people of God in James' day. They were preoccupied of their own self. He said, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own worst. He said, the only thing you're praying about and interested in and asking for is what you want for yourself. It's become a preoccupation and it's become a hindrance and a stumbling block. I'm going to tell you, I I didn't know I was going to say all this this morning. I'm just trying to follow the Lord. We've become so preoccupied with ourselves, we have forgotten our brothers. We're in such a rat race to fulfill our own desires and our own lusts. We cannot see our brother who's in need. And if we do see it, we don't have time to have compassion on them because we're so preoccupied. And it has become a stumbling block. It's become a problem. We have hit a wall as the people of God in this day. It's true. And then I would say, and I think I'm done this morning, I think our priorities have become a problem. Now we can, I can stand up here and tell you, put on a self-righteous attitude and tell you because I'm a preacher, I don't have no problems with my priorities. And I'm going to stand up here honestly and tell you that nothing could be farther from the truth. We all... You mark it, if you don't hear anything else the preacher said this morning, I want you to hear me. We all, A-L-L, have a problem with our priorities. And the reason we have a problem with our priorities is because we live in the flesh. Now, I'm not making an excuse for it. We're supposed to die out, according to the Apostle Paul. We're supposed to die daily. Yeah. 
be crucified with Christ, is what Paul said. Reckon ourselves dead with Him. And then we're to live the life we now live by the faith of the Son of God. That's right. And, and a lot of people don't want to, to take that verse. But Paul didn't say on Sunday or on my best days. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I reckon my flesh dead. And he said, now the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We have a problem with our priorities. And we think, boy, that's rough preaching, but Jesus dealt with His own disciples about their priorities. They walked hand in hand with Him. Saw His miracles with their own natural eyes. And they still had a problem with their priorities. They got to worrying about having food and raiment. They said, Lord, what are we going to do? He said, don't worry about them things. They put all their priorities on food and raiment. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these other things will be added. He said, all these things that your heavenly Father know you have need of. He said, after all these things to the Gentiles, see, He said, this is the heathen way to only think about ourselves." He said, if you'll seek God first, that word first puts it in the context of priorities. He said, put God first. In everything, in every day, put God first. And then all these things. What things? The things in the context of the Scripture. The food and the raiment. The daily needs. They shall be added unto you. The Lord Himself dealt with it. He said, take notice of the birds. They sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. He said, are you not much better than they? He said, look at the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of you. He said, if God so cared for the grass, grass which today is, and tomorrow is hewn down and cast into the earth, shall he not much more care for you? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Keep the finish line in sight. Run your race the right way. Looking at the right things with the right priorities. And all these things that detour us and distract us. Now I'm telling you, we may have more modern technology in this day than we've ever had in things that'll do things faster, but we've got less time, seems like, than we've ever had. Our forefathers, and I'm not trying to preach on the past or live in the past, but it took them two or three or four or five times as long to get to church on Sunday morning, and they had more time for God than we'll ever have. Right. It's because of our priorities and our preoccupations. We're so preoccupied. I'm just preaching. We're so preoccupied that if we pull up in the drive-thru and they can't have our meal made from the time we get from window one to pay into window two, if they can't stick our bag of food out the window, we get so upset. And I'm saying we... You say, what's the problem, preacher? We got roadblocks in the way. We got roadblocks in the way. And the brother read this morning, and I don't want to add anything to it, but the brother read this morning in Sunday school about our tongue. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of the greatest stumbling blocks that the people of God have. I'm not being funny, and I'm not being mean-spirited. I'm being true. Most of the people of God, I'm saying most, in this day, in this church age, they talk about people so much that they stay tripped up by their tongue all the time. And this Bible right here said it ought not to be that way. I'm going to say it because it's on my heart this morning to say, it doesn't matter how many ministries a church has, It don't matter how many Bibles they give out. 
It don't matter about all these things if they don't deal with people in a godly way. If they don't love one another. If they don't run their race with patience looking unto Jesus. If they don't deal with the obstacles. Thank God for ministries. Thank God for missionaries. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for the desire to give it out. But we have forsaken dealing with folks right at home. And we, I tell you what we've done, we've tried to soothe our conscience by getting involved in everything else. You hear me this morning, it's self-deception. We have justified hitting the wall, not dealing with the wall, not getting it out of our way, not continuing on our race. We've justified it by all the other stuff we're doing. And the Lord has come to us this morning. He said, don't worry about all that. Deal with the wall. Deal with the hindrance. Paul said, if you're going to be helped, if I'm going to help you, if you're going to be a help to others, you're going to have to deal with the hindrance. Here's the reality, and I'm done this morning. I hadn't thought about this till just now. The Holy Ghost put it in my heart. Here's the reality. Paul knew, Paul knew that it was outside folks that had hindered the church at Galatia. But Paul is preaching to the Galatians that they must deal with the hindrance. Paul did not say, go run them out of town. Paul did not say, confirm to their face. Paul said, what's wrong in your life? There's a hindrance in your life. You can't take their hindrance away. You can't fix their hindrance, but you can do something about yours. He said, you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to get it out of the way. I'm preaching to you this morning on what's hindering you. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not here this morning to deal with your hindrance. I can't deal with it. I'm just preaching what the Lord said for me to preach. You're going to have to deal with your hindrance. And I'm going to have to deal with mine. We can't go out God help us not to go out the door and say, well, I know what brother so-and-so's hindrance is and if he'd listen to me, I could help him. That's not what the Bible's saying here. Paul said, who hindered you? That's right. Paul said, deal with it now before it costs you dearly. I'm going to tell you folks can say, well, I'll just stop here. I'll be satisfied here. I'll just be complete." I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose some things. You're going to miss some things that are waiting out there by the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. Unless you deal with that hindrance and carry on your journey. Now, I hear this morning saying you've got to run your race like somebody else. God don't want you to. He really wants you to run your race like Christ. He's the example. Looking unto Jesus. He's the example. He ran his race and he finished it. And he finished well. Not here this morning saying you've got to run yours like this one or that one, or that your hindrance is somebody. You've got, to, you've got to examine your own heart, your own life, deal with your own hindrance. Get the wall out of the way, get the roadblock moved so you can run on the race God has set before you. As we stand this morning all over the house, I'm done.